you tried to rob how many you've gotten arrested three times in the last like month like you are have you have a drug problem you need to go to rehab and then it hit me and it was like oh my god i'm doing heroin like it just all of a sudden like snap Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Hey guys, a quick note before we get into the episode. It's an incredible episode coming your way. There are a few more swear words than normal. So if you're around kids, this might not be the episode to play in the car with a six-year-old listening, um, but please listen to the episode. George Beatty is a crazy story um, and has some really interesting things to say about life, about AI, about turning his life around, about real estate, about wholesaling about the market. If any of those things interest you, it's a must listen to. Um, I was at the edge of my seat multiple times, um, but a few curse words in there that we don't normally swear in here, but but a few more than normal. So uh, quick editor's note, enjoy the episode. Bye. All right, folks, I am very excited. Uh, when I was down at the IMN conference, I was out there trying to find cool, interesting, fun, crazy people. And I did meet a few. And one of them I have on the podcast today. When I hear about what he's doing, I think everyone will uh, take some some cool snippets out of it. Uh, George Beatty of Problem Property Pals out of Philadelphia, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, that's me. Cool. Thanks for joining um, the Real Estate Hackers Show. So, George, why don't you uh, maybe give folks a little background of kind of who you are, how the heck you got into doing what you're doing? Yeah, I'll give you my uh, my spiel that I, I give when I do a talk. Um, my name is George Beatty. Uh, I wholesale real estate. We have an office here in Philadelphia. It's where our headquarters is, where our contact center is, our operations staff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we wholesale real estate in the greater Philadelphia area, suburbs of PA, South Jersey, Northern Delaware, and the city of Philadelphia, and also in Columbus, Ohio, in the greater Columbus area, uh, in Tampa, Florida, in the greater Tampa area, in the greater Orlando, uh, Florida area as well. We just opened an office uh, yesterday in North Jersey, like uh, Newark, New Jersey, uh, like like um, like Montclair, that like Hudson County, Passaic, uh, Patterson, that area. And uh, next month, we'd like to open an office in Maryland, which we're currently hiring for acquisitions for, like the greater D.C. to Baltimore area. And um, we're rocking and rolling, man. We, we, we wholesale a decent number of single family homes in all of those markets. Um, I've done probably a thousand wholesale deals or something like that, maybe 800. I'm not actually sure how many, um, I got into this business in 2015 uh, or late 2014 used to sell windows and siding before this. And, uh, I dropped out of college when I was 18, um, and did not want to be a salesperson, but here I am and <laughs> found my way into real estate somehow. Um, and yeah, we're we're dialed in on wholesaling. We run an in-home, you know, kitchen table sales model. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, we qualify and set appointments for outside sales reps who go in and do a presentation essentially at the kitchen table, where we our goal is to one call close an owner of uh, real estate, 
um, or you know, subsequently close in a short period of time in the case of like multiple decision makers like in the state or something like that. But our goal is always to warn call close. So we uh, we filter our leads pretty sub substantially and 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 uh, scrub them pretty substantially before we put a sales guy in the house, and uh, we're we're pretty damn good at it. So I'm proud to say that. All right, George. I was taking notes as you were talking. You got a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, this will be fun. Um, so I guess my first question. I'm going to start with the college, and then we'll kind of work our way forward. So, college dropout. You're obviously a very successful dude. What, yeah. what was about college that wasn't a good fit for you? So uh, this is just going to end up coming up. So um, September or really August of 2011, I was waking up in a holding cell in New Jersey, wondering why I couldn't stop doing heroin Holy and cow. why my life was falling apart and why I kept getting arrested and, and also like what had just happened. Right. And uh, it was not the first or the last time I was in a holding cell. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, when I was 18 and I dropped out of college, I had a really serious drinking problem and I had a me problem and I had a, you know, uh, I had a problem with drugs and alcohol and the way that I related to my own life and things like that. And I, uh, I drank a lot and I did a lot of drugs and I decided that this going then me and the college mutually decided together, just to be clear that maybe it wasn't for me for now. Um, and, uh, I spent basically the time between I was 18 and 22, uh, and, and I was getting high before that and doing bad things, but, but it really got, it got really bad when I was like 17, 18. Um, and I, you know, did a bunch of bad shit, uh, for years. And, uh, I, I tried to rob a farm. This is all a matter of public record now. And I, I tried to, I tried to rob a pharmacy and got caught. I um, imported drugs into the country and well, not allegedly, I, and got caught. Uh, I, you know, uh, I, I shoplifted. I got a million public drunkenness charges. And between the age of 15 and 22, I was, I got arrested uh, nine times, I think. One of those uh, uh, was, was the FBI. Um, most of them were like local cops and things like that. But, you know, uh, I did that. That's why I dropped out of college. I, I love learning. I still read. I, I read, uh, depending on the length of a book, uh, I read a book every week or two, probably, or at least most of it. And then I switched to new ones because I still have ADD. Um, but yeah, it just, uh, that, that just wasn't for me at that time in my life. And I, I got clean right after my 22nd birthday. I went to a rehab near, near me here. I got out of rehab. I moved into a recovery house and I wanted to go back to college to be a lawyer. And I couldn't, or, you know, at least not at that time. And I, I barely got it. This is 2011. The economy was so fucked up. I barely got a job selling TVs for a hundred percent commission. And I did not want that job. Didn't want it. I wanted a job at Burger King. I wanted something making $10 an hour. I wanted something where I could come up with $165 a week because that was my rent in a recovery house and also enough money to buy cigarettes. And I got a job selling TVs and I was, I was fucking really good at it, man. And uh, I started making like a thousand dollars a week, 900 bucks a week, something like that, selling televisions for a commission. And I was like, Oh my God, this, I was rich. Oh my God. I could, I could buy my friends at like a Best Buy or, or yeah. HH Craig, which has since gone out of business since I stopped working there, probably correlated. Cause you know, <laughs> your boy GB here, but uh, yeah, um, sold TVs. And then uh, I got a job selling windows and siding and like roofing at, at, a, at a very large local 
company uh, when I was 22. And that job changed my life, man. They, they taught me how to sell. They taught me how to work hard. They taught me, taught me how to take personal accountability and just fucking go for it. And that, uh, you know, being a commissioned salesperson, being out there alone, like is kind of like being a wrestler. Like you're just like alone on the mat. Right. And like, you know, like there's, there's a teamwork aspect. There's people for you once you get off the mat, but when you're there, man, like, like when you're in a house at seven 30 at night, and if you sell, you, you know, you, you get your face on a billboard and, you know, you, 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 you make money and you get, you get, you get, you can get the car and you can get the food, you can get the whatever. And if you don't sell, you get nothing. Right. So like I, uh, that that's instead of basically, instead of going to college, I became a drug addict. And then when I was done being a drug addict, I learned how to sell and I learned how to do commission based sales stuff and one call clothes and rebuttals and scripting and whatever. And then I randomly got into wholesaling real estate and applied the same lessons I learned doing both of those things to this. And that's how I got here. Yeah. Wow. Uh, by the way, I'd be honest, I, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> is there like a moment in time that you can point to that said like, or was it a person that really drove this like major turnaround to really kind of kickstart into gear? Anybody that says they're self-made or that they just did it themselves is lying. Um, so um, I spent a really long time being like, I don't have a drug problem. I have a money problem. I don't have a drug problem. I have a you know, fucking this girl was mean to me problem. I got a, this problem. I have a car problem. It's not the drugs. And um, man, I tried to rob a fucking pharmacy because I ran out of money and I wanted to get high. That I, that's not how I grew up. I grew up in like a nice suburb, right? Like, no, you know, nobody hit me when I was a kid or anything like that. And then this guy was, I was like, I was like spitting some, some round of bullshit to this, this like counselor. And he was like, you were doing heroin? Like, you tried to rob, I mean, you've gotten arrested three times in the last like month. Like you have, you have a drug problem. You need to go to rehab. And then it hit me and it was like, oh my God, I'm doing heroin. Like it just all of a sudden like snapped. And then uh, I looked myself in the mirror. I took a deep breath and like, I still, I can still connect back to that moment. I just like, didn't want to live like that anymore. It was like either like, I'm either going to keep getting high and I'm going to die or I'm going to go to prison. You know, just like, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm fucking done. And uh, I don't care if I am a janitor after this or like I never make anything of myself, but anything is better than what I'm going through right now. And uh, yeah, I just kind of like, you know, I went to rehab and I fucking grit my teeth and I decided that no matter what I did, I was going to stay clean and that any day that I stayed clean and didn't do drugs or drink was a successful day. And they, uh, I, I learned to pick out people that I thought were going to make it. And I learned to pick out people that I thought were successful in their field and whatever. Like I, I now I realized I'm like good at that. Like I'm good at the people thing, like not even necessarily good at people, but just like kind of being able to tell whether someone knows what, they, what they're talking about, I guess, most of the time, because sometimes I'm wrong. And uh, yeah, that's how I, and I just did that. And now I'm here. Yeah. Amazing, man. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's truly an amazing story. I'm, so uh, you're out. It seems like you're very good at selling. Um, you call this the, the, the kitchen table sales method, yeah. which I've never, I've never heard that term before. And it seems like in particular, you, you preach a one, one call close, one call close. Exactly. Um, I, I'm, 
maybe talk me through that a little bit more. It, why is it so important to you to to try to close on on the the single meeting? Uh, because it works. I mean, plain and simple. I, I'm I'm not I'm not one of those woo woo crystal guys. Like you've got to like you know do this and you drink the Kool Aid and then you get all these sales. We we do that because it works. And if something else worked better, we would be doing that. Um, I think that there's two types of people that get into real estate, right? The first type of person is the accountant or the, the finance guy, the, the guy that understands the numbers, the banking, the rent, the cap rates, the, uh, the Excel spreadsheet behind it. I think that, and then the other type of person that gets into real estate, I think is like the sales type, right? Or like the sales guy, like the realtor, the this, that. I'm firmly of the sales type, okay? So um, I, I do not think of real estate. I do not think of myself as being in real estate. I think of myself as being in sales and marketing. We go into people's houses, and we buy their home, their greatest investment they've ever made, and we help them make the biggest decision of their life, right? Because of the in-home side of the business, very similar to what I was doing and what I learned to do selling windows. It's kind of like how I got into the business, right? Um, so, you know, when, when you're when you're selling windows and you work for like, like a sales company that sells windows or, or roofing, you go into a property or a home where they like need a roof or they need windows, and you go through a structured sales methodology where, you know, you ask this set of questions, then you look around their property for these types of things. You present your product in this manner. You present your company in this manner. Uh, you present the price like this. And if you do it like this, 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 and this, you will produce very reliable results and you'll produce better results than just winging it like a, like a, like a regular sales guy, right? So that's why we practice the one call closes. We know that uh, in that, like that, the one call close is an important part of any sales methodology um, because they're not going to call you back. George, what uh, I have a bunch of, bunch of questions on this topic. My yeah. first is um, it's interesting. You've basically become a master of selling. I'm curious, what is this? Is a very tactical question, but what's like a close rate that you're looking for? Like, if, like, yeah. what would you hit personally? And what are you hoping your sales guys hit? We are looking for if somebody has a 30% close rate. We are very happy. Um, really what we measure is something called dollar per issue, which is the average amount of revenue that a salesperson brings back to the company per appointment they get. And a lot of times in business, there's there's the math and then there's the art. And it's interesting. It seems like yours has both. So I've heard you talk about the sales process and having this very logical process, this if else statement, highly logical, highly math driven. Um, and yet you also talk about having some emotion into it. Um, I'm actually want to poke a little more on that emotion side. Anything that's beautiful, I think has art. And I think that our sales process is beautiful. Like I genuinely do. Um, but yeah, the, as far as the emotion goes, like, like human beings are not robots. Human beings are irrational. Um, I think the most important thing of any sales process, including ours, is something called a needs assessment. A needs assessment is when you sit down with somebody, and you just like ask them what you're doing there, right? And then you ask a million layering questions. It's the same thing that happens when you walk into a doctor's office and the doctor's like, hey, tell me where it hurts. How long does it hurt for? Why do you think it hurts? When's the first time that it started? Does it hurt right now? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you're, you're ultimately looking for like, like a problem with sellers, but like, like we don't, like people don't want us to buy their house. They want a set of emotions or feelings that they think will occur if they sell their house. That's really what they want. 
I can't give somebody a, a playbook that covers every single circumstance that they're ever going to be in, like, like as a sales trainer. So, you know, you have, there has to be some level of art. The same way, like uh, a pitcher's pitch is never exactly the same, but there's, there's some, there's, there's some magic in there, right? That, that's, that's awesome. Um, what has, has there been a couple of things that you've done to break through the mold of just being the local wholesaler who knows West Philly and he yeah. just dominates West Philly as opposed to, you know, you're in Tampa and Columbus and Baltimore now and, you know, what Newark, what's, what's been that, that shift for you? Yeah. From the second I got into this business, it has been with the goal and intention of opening satellite locations in different cities with a centrally managed headquarters and lead generation. That has been the goal. That has been what I've been trying to execute on. And there is no secret. It's really hard. Like one of the biggest reasons I think that it's difficult and has been difficult is, is data, frankly. So like, you know, if you're the guy who does West Philly, like, yeah, you might know everything like the back of your hand, but I've always been the guy that like did the greater Philadelphia area. So as an example, one of the things that has come to be a very big deal is public record data. And like we, we have this big SQL database. This is connecting to your, how we use um, technology. We have a big SQL database that we plug all this public record data into and we can query it. It's basically like a giant MLS system. Like, you know, MLS, like right MLS where you are and where I am has the public record section where you can look up one, two, three main street and you can do some data on it. We have that all in one place for all these different states, right? So the data is standardized, same search queries and things like that. But that all starts at the local level. Like real estate's very local and it really, really is. So like West Philly, for instance, like everything in Philadelphia in the, in the, 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 the blanket public record data, unless somebody goes in and manually changes it, everything is a three bedroom, one bathroom house that was built in like 1900 or something like that. And then if it goes on the MLS or it gets re-inspected or if it's something like that, now it's a four bedroom, two bath, it's a two bedroom, whatever. But like, that's just Philly. So like, um, like if, and, and, and like, but Philly does a pretty good job of like tracking what kind of like utilities people have. Right. But if you get to Chester County, right. Which is, uh, I think in between you and I, so to speak, Chester County has dismal data and it is much more dependent on the municipality. So some municipalities do not have the age of a single family house, right? And they don't have the property type unless it was listed recently or changed hands or was, was assessed or whatever. So you can mean knowing that from a local standpoint, this is what gave us a competitive or gives and gives, gives and gave us a competitive advantage here. I know that because I've looked at every single municipality and how their data is different, right? So I know that if I pull records in Chester County that has like a basically a blank property type and a blank year built, but is tagged as residential or is in a certain area, that's a property that nobody else knows about. And if they're using one of the common list providers, that gets eliminated by those list providers because it doesn't fall into the single family detached or like row home search query or like whatever. So I know that I'm the only guy marketing to like a lot of that stuff, right? You know, and then and then you've got different stuff from New Jersey and you've got different, New Jersey's even worse at the municipality level. I could, good Lord, don't even, how dare you even bring it up now? Um, so, but Florida is completely different. And I don't know those things for Florida. And that that has been very, very difficult. Like I know what I'm looking for. I know that it's different. We have this great lead generation system and the call center and all that stuff, but it is an entirely different technological environment 
in some of these other places. And that, that's one of the things that has made it really, really hard and makes it very hard to scale is because like you, you don't walk into Columbus, Ohio being like the local guy. You kind of have to like trust in your sales process and marketing to be good enough to get enough leads that you can either still make money or that you can stay in the market long enough to become a local guy. Um, you talked about having your own C SQL database. Um, I am a, a tech nerd at heart. So this is a database you built yourself? Like I, I did none of the programming. Uh, somebody else did the programming. It, it's your, your, your team, I guess. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's been built under my direction, I think is, is a more, it, yes, it's hard. That's pretty unique, right? I mean, that's a, and probably a huge competitive advantage for you. I think it is. It's very expensive to maintain and things like that. But like, like we've, um, I, a few months ago, I was kicking around the idea of getting rid of it and moving to prop stream because like, frankly, like a, a prop stream enterprise account is like, I don't know, a thousand dollars a month or something ridiculously cheap. Um, versus the database, which like I have someone that programs it, I have servers, I have whatever this and whatever. I get a lot of bills for it, right? And I got to get all this data. I got to put it in. I buy the raw data and I, I query it. I spend a ton of time doing it. But we also like have virtual assistants that scrape data from all these different places and all these web scrapers that then gets cleaned and puts in the database and then gets checked off and this and that. And Tropstream just doesn't have that. And yeah. it's not the same data and I can't query it the same way and it does eliminate things. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is a good competitive advantage for us. We're going to keep it. So I used to be in digital advertising and um, in that world, uh, lookalike models are like really sexy. Um, the company I worked for, uh, we had this algorithm that was probably at the time the best lookalike model of any data. So you would, you'd put a conversion pixel on someone's site um, that the tech was called AdLearn. And basically, we would create a lookalike model to target the 1% of the internet that most matched like people that we saw converting. And it was freaking amazing. It was really great. Um, I feel like over time, you're going to have that. Yeah, I hope so. Um, are, you, are you seeing some of the benefits today or, or are you not there yet? You don't have enough. The short answer to your question is yes. Uh, there, there's some other cool software tools. We've been using something called uh, obviously.ai, um, which is like a low code or like low or no code predictive modeling software, which is like really cool. I can use it as a layman. Um, like I know enough about programming and technology to be dangerous, but not enough to like, like truly do it. Like I just don't. And so, you know, but, but I like fidgeting with things. Yeah, by the way, I'm the same way. So I don't actually, oh. I've, I, yeah, I've, so I've written some code. Yeah. Um, in my life, but but my best use is is working with folks who write code and um, sure. and uh, and they're looking at data and making it better. Um, but that that's that's really interesting. I um, I think that's like the next fad in real estate is going to be taking AI and taking data sets. But then you're going to have to have the data, and you actually have it. So it's like it's really exciting. Um, yeah. I want to. So that that makes sense of how you've been able to scale. I'm curious. Oh, I want to ask. So interest rates are up, obviously. Uh, yeah. But I was, I was curious, George, um, is your end buyer, is it an investor? Is that who yeah. you're selling to? Yeah, we sell almost entirely to flippers and landlords. Yeah. And so despite the higher interest rates, you know, a, a lot of investors have pulled back this year. A lot of institutional uh, folks have pulled back. It seems like flippers are doing okay because the end retail value is still high. Is, are you selling more to flippers right now? Or I can, you're still yeah, seeing great question. I can count on one hand the number of deals I have sold to an institutional buyer. 
I never had my whole business based around that. I tried to base some of it around it in Florida, but right when we started trying to do that, the market started shifting. I know a lot of wholesalers are gone. They washed out. They ran out of money. They're out of business. They have to pull their kids out of private school and return the car they leased, right? That sucks. Like, I, that sucks. Like, it really sucks. But they also put all their eggs in one basket and didn't look at the future. That's their fault. Um, we, we almost entirely have sold to a mom and pop market. There is always mom and pop investors that buy stuff if you have a good enough deal, right? So many wholesalers got into this business in 2020, 2021, when it started getting popular on TikTok, I guess. Um, I don't have TikTok. Uh, I don't really, <laughs> I don't watch TV. I don't, you know, so it's these, all these kids are out there literally that wholesale, you know, but yeah, like literally all these kids were out there wholesaling and like for a while there, depending on what market you were in, you could just write up a deal for whatever somebody was asking for it. And you could make five grand by accident. Like wholesaling is not normally like that. Wholesaling is usually like really hard. Like you, like the lead generation is expensive and difficult. You have to do all these different things and you have to qualify and you have to call people back right away, at least to do it in volume. Like you can do a deal here and there with like nothing, but like, you know, it's like hard, you know, it's not a get rich quick scheme. So I came up in this business back when it wasn't so easy. So now that it's back to not being easy, I'm happy because that Less this, competition. I, this market that we're in right now is what I am used to. I am used to a 2016 to 2018 type market. That's like how I came up in the business. So I, I, I like it. Um, our units are up. Like, yeah, are there some deals that like a couple of years ago would have sold for another 30 grand? Yeah, but like, I'm, it's also way easier to get leads right now. I would rather be able to get leads easier than be able to sell all my deals for over ask because I don't know. It, it's just, it's just to me a very clearly like it's safer, more certain, more scalable, more everything to be able to get more leads. What are you right. hoping to make per deal? Like 10 K or is 25? Yeah. 25. Yeah. Uh, 25, 26 is the company average. Um, PA, PA uh, Florida, Florida, the Florida deals pull that average up a little bit. But we do a lot of like really healthy transactions here in the Pennsylvania area, assignment fee wise and in, and in Ohio. Our average sale price in Ohio, I think is like 28, something like that. I, I'm actually, I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head. It's like 26, 28K. George, I ask uh, every guest the same question. Something you are excited about from a tech perspective. I am both excited and terrified of ChatGPT and all of the different things that can do. I think that in general, being mediocre in whatever business that you do is you are going, you're, you're going to be obsolete. Medi mediocrity will be obsolete soon. And I think that that's really scary um, because you don't know if you're mediocre or whether you're good until you're in the arena. And I think that the potential for very dangerous social and political change is a result of many people's livelihoods being obsolete in the next 10 years is I, don't, I think human beings, generally speaking, don't like change. And I think a lot of change is going to occur. And I don't know how that will affect everybody. I'm curious, your own company, it, it sounds like you think AI may, may disrupt wholesaling? I don't see why it couldn't. I mean, look, like wholesaling is so fragmented. 
But but, but it, it sounds like just to go one level deeper here, it sounds like where you first are going to try to start using AI is to figure out which properties to go after. Am I am I right there? No, I, I so like I think that that's already here. I mean, like you you there there's a company called Likely.ai. I, I forget the founder's name, but I spoke with him a while back. He'd be, he'd be a great great guest for you, by the way. Really, I think his name was Brett Brent something like that. Um, really, really, or Brad, maybe, uh, really sharp guy. I, I, I remember talking to him like back in 2019 about predictive modeling. And the second I talked to that guy, I was like, well, I'm not starting a predictive modeling company because fucking these guys are good at it. Right. Like that's <laughs> already here. Like if you talk to these wall street guys, like that, that have to deploy half a billion dollars on single family real estate, like they already have the algorithms. Like if you've seen these guys buy boxes, they're ultra specific, right? They're almost down to the house. Like they have a list of houses somewhere that they'll buy and it's whatever, millions of houses long. And then they have a list of houses they won't buy. That's here, right? I mean, on the on the people side, like there's there's different like public records you can grab for like likely, excuse me, likelihood to sell. But I mean, the people, like up until recent, like up until chat GPT came out, like you could tell if something was a chatbot, but like, I'm not so sure that you can't anymore. So all those human interaction dependent jobs, chat GPT arguably could do a better job today than a mediocre salesperson. Once it's easier to use and drag and drop program. And once somebody else comes out with a better tool to like plug and play or turn it on, set it and forget it with that. Why would I ever hire a mediocre salesperson ever again? Look at the VAs. Look at half of real estate is done by VAs in the Philippines now. I, half of my, my outbound dialing team is, is off-site, is, is, is in different countries, right? And they're great. I love those guys. I love the guys that are here. Don't get me wrong. Like, I fucking love them, right? They're, they're, the, they're the best. But, like, we used to have, like, 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 the guys on my outbound dialing team here, just to go on a quick tangent, are the fucking best. We, they are. I know that statistically. I know from, from knowing them for a while, they're the best. Before we had three times as many people here doing all this outbound dialing and all of the mediocre ones, we replaced with offshore labor at a third of the cost. They're not as good as my, my guys here and they'll never get replaced because they're literally all rock stars, right? But like everyone that's less than a rock star already is like, you know, not right. Yeah, your, so your argument is the next hump is going to, the next jump is going to be yeah. AI. So, like right. if you're an average so, outbound person, AI is going to replace you pretty quick. Yes. Like look at graphic design. I can, I can use ChatGPT's graphic design function to have a logo made for me for like a dollar. I don't have to communicate to an artist. I don't have to hope that they show up on time and deliver it or whatever. Now, if you're world-class or you're in the top 1%, 2% of your field, you're great. Like if you're Gary Kasparov, you're probably fine, or Magnus, Magnus, whatever his name is. You're, you're, you're probably good. Or like, by the way, you, you like our real estate hacker logo? It's pretty good. The so, guys, do you like our real estate hacker logo? That's not ChatGPT. That's uh, this company on air brands. Actually, give them a little, oh, okay. little shout out. They did a, they did a freaking awesome job. I, with the I think, I think you have a great logo, candidly. I, I remember meeting you. I mean, I was like, that's a nice fucking logo. I want. Yeah. But my, but my point is, but you just, you just gave them a shout out. They did a great job. Right. Yeah. Anybody that does not do a shout out worthy job. I, will, I totally agree. And that is a huge percentage of people. And I think that that could happen very quickly. And I think that that could create, you know, look, I'm not a new world order guy. 
it probably will take longer than whatever, but um, you know, I, I think I think that the macro whatever environment of technology is yeah, I, I so I completely agree. I got yeah. two more questions for you if you're up for sure. it. I know we've yeah. been going for a little bit. This is fascinating stuff. I, I always tell people. I, you know, we usually talk about 30, 40 minutes. I let it go a little long if it's especially interesting. I know, you thanks. Know. I'm supposed to be doing a job interview for someone right now. We're hiring, just a quick plug. But I know That's I'm happy to get done. Just two minutes, then I'll, I'll call yep. it. I really appreciate gotcha. it. So my, my first question is, do you keep any deals? I'm always yes. fascinated talking to wholesalers. Like, you know, rather than make money in a transaction, do you do you keep some in-house and are you trying to build a portfolio off of some yeah, of these? Yeah, I, I own like five or 10 rentals or five or like 10 units or something like that. I bought a bunch of them a year or so ago. One of them's still under construction. Yeah. Um, George, I want to close with one more question for you. Um, I, and maybe you don't have a good story, but I have to imagine you've met so many sellers. You've done a thousand deals. There yeah. must be some, some person you sat in front of somehow, some property, some story that like, you know, after, you know, late at night when you're hanging out with someone, you're like, dude, I got a story for it. Do you have any interesting stories of any just things that, um, that, that don't leave you? Uh, <laughs> you're not going to like this answer, but like, not really. I mean, look, I've been in so many hoarder homes. I've been in so many like situations where I walk in and I go, oh my God, I can't believe you're living here. I've almost had houses collapse in my head while I was in them and things like that. I've been, you know, I've had so many cute little ladies try to rip me off. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I don't know, like, keep in mind, before I was doing real estate, I had been in 1,200 houses selling windows and siding and roofing. So, like, by the time I started doing real estate, it was just like, oh, as soon as I'm out of this house, like, it's just gone. It's just on to the, on to the next one, you know? So, um, like, if you brought up, if, like, when I drive around, I see houses that I did a deal in or, or, or whatever, but... Uh, <laughs> um, the, the stories I remember are all, all make me sad. They all make me go, wow, this is a really unfortunate situation for someone to fall in. And I'm, I'm genuinely sad that it happened. Like dog, dogs fighting in the backyard or, you know, stuff with animals or kids, you know, that stuff, that's really the only stuff I remember. Yeah, I mean, it strikes me like you're on a mission and uh, that you're just so focused on the deal that some of these external things, you, you almost focus them out. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I haven't hit, I haven't been in a house to pitch to a seller in a, a year or two. Um, so like, that's probably part of it at, at, at this point, but yeah, man, like, uh, this is what, this is, this is my life. This is what I do. Um, I'm, I'm on a mission to advance, you know, advance the human race. And this is how I've chosen to do it. I provide people an opportunity to have a job where their own merit can dictate how much money they make and they can change the trajectory of their family and their genes and their whatever else. Right. Like that's what I do. Right. Um, well, well, look, man, I, uh, I'm inspired by you. Thank you. I, I'm not looking for a job, but if I knew someone who was, I will send them your way. Okay. I'm convinced that you're a stud to work for. And I don't say that to many people that come on the show. Um, really inspiring story. I'm glad, I'm glad your life turned around. I, yeah, I mean that. Um, I, this episode has been fascinating. I know the audience will be really interested. I know people are going to want to reach out to you. 
what is it sounds like you're not a big tiktok guy you don't watch tv uh, i have a facebook account you can friend me on facebook send me a message there i'm very easy to find just type in my name um my email address is george at problempropertypals.com if you can remember problem property pals it's just my first name at uh, i wrote a book you can buy my book it's on amazon if you type in my name into amazon it'll show up it was a bestseller for a while i'll have you know it's a, a like an autobiography up to like 2017, I think, 2018. It tells some of the stories from back in the day um, and like how I got clean and things like that. But um, and yeah, uh, I'm findable. So, yeah. George, man. Hey, thanks for coming. I know I kept you long. I really appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me. Uh, awesome. Awesome story. And um, let's, let's talk again soon. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll see you, Chad. Cheers. See you, bud. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening this edition of the real estate hackers show if you've not yet become a member of real estate hackers you can do that for free at realestatehackers.com get access to all of the amazing real estate hacker deals from incredible vendors on a ton of content and materials for you the investor you can follow real estate hackers on facebook instagram youtube and TikTok. if you can give us a five-star review for the podcast I would personally really appreciate it. We read every review and thank you so much for helping us grow this community for you, the real estate investor.